It is 8.09 on Monday, January 14, 2018. Our team is getting ready to leave for the Voice First conference. No, it's the Alexa conference powered by Voice First FM. I'm driving over to RJ's right now. We just picked up some groceries. We got some fruit, some nuts, some veggie straws, some snacks for the team to munch on on the seven and a half hour drive from Columbus, Ohio, down to Chattanooga, Tennessee. We've got about seven people coming from our team to go down to the conference. We're there to support SurveyLine and their new product so that any survey, if you want to get a survey done by voice, all you have to do is go on to surveysbyvoice.com and you can get started for free. We have a survey set up for this podcast. If you go and say this to your Alexa device, say, Alexa, enable survey line. And after it's enabled, say, Alexa, open survey line. And then once it opens, it'll ask for the code. The code for the survey for this podcast is Voice First Podcast. If you give it that code, you'll have real brief three-question survey that's going to help make this better. And uh, it's a survey by voice. Looks a little bit different from how you would complete a survey on the web or on your mobile phone. Give it a try and see what you think. Let us know if you have any thoughts in the voice messages. Um, I'll be over at RJ's place in a couple minutes, and then we'll check back in when the entire team's rolling down towards Chattanooga.
Mercury. Mercury requires mere force. A small evolution in the throat, the larynx. Our speech became so articulate that we could evoke the past, speak of the future. Recount stories. imagination and storytelling. Humans, including Eve's tribe, were the only species where childbirth was the leading cause of death in females. The human skull became so large it could no longer pass through the birth canal without offloading some brain functions. Natural selection favored humans that gave up a greater part of their short-term memory for the speech centers in the brain. The human skull expanded because of natural selection favoring epigenetic neurogenesis that could speak and think abstractly about the past and the future. All human communications arise from the silent speech centers in the brain forming the phonological loop. I must prepare you for a really interesting key point coming up, but it's important to understand what's coming up. Eve noticed that the moon phases brought about the cycle that few species had. Today it's known as menstruation. The figure on the left is Eve holding the crescent moon with 13 striations. That, that little piece of rock is 24,000 years old. And you can see by the iconography that she's holding her, her stomach and the crescent moon, which kind of looks like a rhinoceros horn, but this is a moon. Eve invented the concept of time with the external clock of lunar cycles with the internal clock of her period. Through the synchronization of fertility, reproduction, and birth came the concept of mortality. This is a 34,000-year-old lunar calendar. It's one of the oldest calendars we're ever found. And we were tracking lunar cycles. And it's uh, my analysis and the analysis of a lot of research that it comes down to this human experience that made us follow the moon. The Reeves' invention of time, because that's what she invented, Humans became the only species that can project the past on into the future, motivated by our sense of mortality. The projections of the past into the future through story and storytelling, guided by our soaring and passionate need to connect with the future. 
So why does mortality matter in human storytelling? It's your legacy. It's your wisdom. It's the messages you hope to transmit to the future. The moon became a lifelong companion to Eve. Many things would come and go over time, but the moon was timeless. Our first stories were projections onto the vast screen of the permanence of the constellations in the night sky. Eve and her tribe would find comfort in connecting those dots of the campfires they saw above them in the darkness. They would feel a little less alone. Some of the first cave paintings from over 100,000 years ago are in fact now known to be constellations. This 20,000 year old cave painting in French shows bison imagery significant of today's Taurus constellation. The cave um, horse imagery represents the Leo constellation. We know this by being able to connect dots and follow through. The first images were not just pictures, they were mnemonic symbols of the first stories we've ever told, recorded in the permanence of the light of the night sky. It became our offline memory system. Humans invented the story as the first offline storage and archival system. It had high noise to signal the transmission, but it transmitted knowledge and wisdom forward. The moon, the night sky, cave art, the first icons and symbols from cuneiforms to hieroglyphs to the scripted letters today, it was a survival mechanism. Joseph Campbell spent his life studying stories of thousands of cultures created and spoke to the path of the book, uh, the hero, in the book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. From the mythological and allegorical stories of the past, scientific and academic papers today, we are transmitting stories from empirical observations projected into the future as a theory. With each new technology, humans try to in increase the signal to the noise and increase the bandwidth, but there is a problem. This, in this video, I hope to demonstrate the human bandwidth phenomenon. It is a, a video originally by Nigel Holmes, but I'm pretty much going to narrate it as a right <laughs> here. We all know very well that we're bombarded by data and information. In fact, most of us feel that there's just too much of it around. We can measure how much information enters our brain by way of our senses. How much goes in through our eyes, through our ears, our nose, our mouth, and skin by counting up the number of receptors on each sensory organ. For instance, how many visual cells the eye has, or how many taste buds the tongue has, and adding that number of signals that nerve connections send from the sensory organs to the brain, scientists can calculate how much information enters our brain every second. This short explanation concentrates on just two of the senses, sight and hearing. Let's see how much information enters the brain through our eyes and our ears and find out just what the brain does with it. And when they are counting up how much information we can absorb, what we really do. Cognitive scientists use the same measurement as computer engineers. It's per second. A bit is a binary digit. It's either a one or a zero.
representing on and off. Science tells us that the eye receives 10 million bits of information every second. That's about the same amount of information per second that a computer is dealing with when it's downloading a page over a fast internet connection. But unlike a computer, the brain throws most of it away, only a tiny amount. In fact, our brain processes only 40 bits of original 10 million bits that came into our eyes. Using the same method of calculation, scientists know that our ears receive 100,000 bits of information every second. But the brain throws away most of that also. In fact, it only processes 30 bits of the original 100,000 bits that went in. So looking at just these two senses, what goes into our brain is much more than our brain cares to process. This is how much goes in. And this is how much is actually used. What gets discarded is called excremation. So while the computer needs all the information it can handle, and who doesn't want additional processing power on their computer, the brain takes a look at what comes in and decides just how little it needs to make a decision and how little it can get away with and still function.
Today we are awash in data and information, yet there's very little insight and wisdom. Humans still are mechanically shifting and sifting and short sorting the Google search engine results. It was once thought that if we had access to all the data in the world, we would become more wise. This has not happened. We're moving through this pyramid of wisdom, from the base of unconnected data to the distillation of wisdom. This has been the human journey. Today, we have access to an astounding amount of data. There's very little wisdom. What if everything you've ever witnessed and experienced was offloaded in a true personal AI assistant? What if this true personal AI assistant could securely store, condense, monocly archive all of this information and present it to you in a highly contextual form? I call this the intelligence amplifier and your wisdom keeper. A life story can be archived, say we live to be 75 years, I hope all of us live much longer. That's 257,000 hours of data. That's about six, oh, sorry, 657,000. 657,000 gigabytes of, um, of uh, hours of data and gigabytes of uh, stored data. With about 1.6 petabytes of data and information, we can have an archive of a human life with the extra space for the work product of the AI to continuously convert and analyze this data and information. How much is it going to cost? Well, today that's $85,000. But in about 50 years, it's 10, uh, say $50. You can get down to $10 by some calculations. You won't need this much storage until you're about 75, so don't really worry about it. How are we going to store it? Holographic laser crystal memory. You can easily store everything in a very small space. And I urge you guys to look at that. That's next memory storage. It's not online. It's on you. All of the words ever spoken by humans since the beginning of language stored as text would be five exabytes of data. That's everything everybody's ever said up until this moment. Reasonably good audio quality video would be 42 zettabytes of data. It's a lot of data, but it will be storable. This is us. This is all we've ever done in five exabyte files. Artificial intelligence is not as important as intelligence amplification. From the beginning of human history, our saga always has been and always will be to amplify our intelligence. The intelligence amplifier will leave with you the story of your life. From the moment you're born to the moment you leave this place, it will be with you always. The intelligence amplifier will know you, your personality, your perspectives, what you like and dislike. It will know more about you than you know yourself. We must create a declaration of privacy and ethics for the intelligence amplifier wisdom keeper world. We need to have world rights and protections that are equal to the murder blunt penalty if there is a breach or force is used to try to break into your wisdom keeper or intelligence amplifier. The intelligence amplifier wisdom keeper age is upon us. We can act by setting privacy and ethical standards or we can react. Either way, it's technology is going to come about. The intelligence amplifier will become a proxy for us in the world when we're alive and when we leave with edits, a proxy of the sum total of all of our experiences. The intelligence amplifier will form new connections between the information and context of your life through security agents, thousands of them, working on your behalf on the internet. 
The intelligence amplifier will speak with us on a level of a lifelong good friend, experiencing all the things we've witnessed. The, the interface, of course, will be voice first. The intelligence amplifier and your wisdom keeper will know your physical health, mental health, emotional health, guide you with your goals and ambition, and counsel you as you deliberate on your smallest and largest decisions. The intelligence amplifier will become your wisdom keeper that will interact with you and guide you to the great times and the hard times. We are not just the sum total of our experiences and context. However, it is a close proxy of how we see the world. Your wisdom keeper will be able to speak to future generations. Think of the possibilities. The intelligence amplifier and wisdom keeper will be the most human invention ever crafted. The last interface is fundamentally two things. Your lifelong voice-first AI system, the intelligenceamplifier.com, a proxy of the sum total of all your experiences, your wisdomkeeper.com. This is not Google Glass or some video camera attached to your head. The intelligence amplifier and wisdom keeper will not be in the cloud or have any direct internet access ever. With our permissions, our intelligence amplifiers will live on not only for our loved ones, but to continue to build upon the paradigm we established in our life and perhaps continue to share. It becomes your wisdom keeper. You have so many stories, so many experiences, so much wisdom. All of, most all of it is lost forever when we move on. Perhaps in the future, millions of intelligence amplifiers and wisdom keepers will connect with each other and form human experience networks of wisdom, expanding to millions of epochs. In 1920, Pierre Tiladar de predicted the neurosphere. It's a logical pro pro progression of the geosphere that we live on and the biosphere we inhabit to an omega point. The neurosphere will conceptually hold the collective wisdom of all the ages, similar to what a library is doing today. The ancient library of Alexandria held thousands of years of wisdom in millions of scrolls as the largest library humans ever crafted. It was burned down. All of this wisdom was lost, and humanity sunk into a thousand years of darkness. Inside each and every one of us is profound wisdom. From the new Einsteins to those who think they have none, there is wisdom. We have experienced the destruction of great wisdom in past epochs. We must not let this happen again. Speech and language were our first invention and our first interface. It formed our first intelligence amplifiers and wisdom keepers. From the inception of Homo sapiens to this epoch in time, we have a relentless and manifest urge to move our stories to future epochs. We stored our knowledge and wisdom in the night sky and built monuments to it in hopes that they would survive the sands of time. The Giza Plateau has an alignment to the Orion's belt. There's a story there. I don't know what it is. There's a story. Stories and archives we created were designed to pass knowledge and wisdom forward in time. It was invented the moment Eve became conscious of time and mortality. Humans are the only species that can contemplate time and their own death. They can grieve for others dying. 
higher order species, but all humans can contemplate their own mortality. We were storytellers since the beginning of time. We will be storytellers into the future. It's really all we've ever done. I don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg. I think the potential of what the internet is going to do to society, both good and bad, is unimaginable. I think we're actually on the cusp of something exhilarating and terrifying. It's just a tool, though, isn't it? No, it's not. No. No, it's an alien life form. What do you think? I mean, when you think then about the Is there life on Mars? Yes, it's just landed here. But that's, it's simply a different delivery system there. You're arguing about something more profound. Oh yeah, I'm talking about the, the, the actual context and the state of content is going to be so different to anything that we can really envisage at the moment. Where the interplay between the user and the provider will be so insympathetical, it's going to, it's going to crush our ideas of what mediums are all about. In simpatico, crushing our ideas, what mediums are all about. Imagine, from the moment you're born to your last day, your closest companion, your wisdom keeper and intelligence amplifier will be with you. Who would you be? What stories would you want it to tell? We've all made some unfortunate decisions that profoundly changed our lives. Imagine in that moment you had your wisdom keeper and the wisdom of your ancestors watching out for you, guiding you. Imagine the wisdom keepers from the people who loved you, helping you today. It becomes your wisdom teacher. I missed it. Sometimes it's hard to get these ideas out, to try to explain just how the future could be. Do you have any advice? Ah, I know, Brian. I understand. You know, when I was just 10 years old, I remember December 17, It feels just like yesterday. I picked up a newspaper for my father and on the cover was the picture of two bicycle mechanics in a place called Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. They took to the air on a flying machine. I remember that I said to myself, if a couple of bicycle mechanics can't read the nose of experts and lift us into the sky, just about anyone could do anything. So don't let what people don't understand get your goat. They probably don't have any goats themselves. We picked up everybody. We're on our way out. Samir's driving and I'm driving. Inside of my car I've got Chinzu, so we're chilling with Chinzu. We've also got Jay and we've got Pat Stepanik. We're gonna go around and talk about what it is we're excited for, anybody that's feeling it. I'm really excited to get to see every single one of the speeches that's gonna be happening over the next three days to the point I think I'm going to be able to fill up the entire other half of my notebook this weekend and then I'm going to have to buy one. And it's just going to be a bunch of diverse people working in different industries across healthcare, across smart home, 
every new industry and I'm just gonna write down every word that they say that I think is valuable and I'm just gonna be a sponge. I'm gonna try to ask as many questions as I can and I'm just gonna try to learn from every single person that's there because this opportunity is gonna be a big timestamp in history in the development of voice as a technology in consumer, in healthcare and more. And all of the speakers here have established themselves as leaders in the industry that's so new. So I'm excited to get to hear from all of those people. Um, nobody in particular, just the diversity that we'll get to see because they have so many breakout sessions and keynote speakers and individual jam sessions. And I'm really looking forward to getting to go up on stage when we go for the five startups, get five minutes and to talk about what we're doing with Voice First. So this is Zach uh, Orchinzo, like you said. So. I'm definitely excited about the whole event as in general because this is going to be the first voice conference conference that's built around voice technology so this will be pretty interesting to see all the ways behind all this crazy stuff happening right now. Um, also I'm pretty interested in to see the two other startups that's going to be on stage after or before Pat, who knows. But know see what they're doing and see where 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 we stand as a startup and actually see you know everything that's being built right now with a startup company that's in low budget in small teams um, yeah obviously excited to see all the all the people that's gonna be uh, on stage with doing a presentation because there's a lot of industries it's not just our industry and and the, the fun part's gonna be they're all voice technology so we'll get to see a glimpse of the future One of the aspects I'm looking forward to in particular will be kind of the opportunity to see how other people are approaching building voice apps but beyond that also some of the practices that we could incorporate into building apps that maybe we haven't considered yet or problems we haven't run into but we will in the future and another aspect that I'm relatively excited about is also seeing the diversity of how each company brings something different and then thinking about how we can apply it to ourselves and that maybe we pick up a handful of things uh, from the other organizations but we also have things that we're already doing that nobody else is doing and so I think going to this will also sort of reveal that as well. Um, but beyond that, really excited to hear what everyone has to say. There's a lot of people coming from different parts of the country. And what was interesting to me is how most people are working in a different industry. So I think kind of looking at it from a cross-functional perspective, seeing the similarities between every industry and what the core of all these apps is that you can apply to every app, regardless of who you're selling to. I am Jay. Um, I'm looking forward to just seeing the patterns um, in the talks that people are giving as far as where the voice is going, how it's growing, um, the challenges that they're facing and the frontiers or industries that they're looking to integrate into and the things they're looking to accomplish. And then I'm just also looking forward to see the other entrepreneurs that are in the room and seeing what they're working on and what their energy is um, and just get a general feel for a sense of what Voice is doing and where they're hoping to go and what they're already working on moving towards. And I do a lot of work in healthcare, actually. Uh, in particular, if you think about 
situations where you need to be hands-free eye spray or it's beneficial to be hands-free, sanitary items on that. There's, someone was talking to me recently about this idea of some of the EMRs in certain hospital systems are set up so that a screensaver comes on. EMR is an electronic medical record or electronic health records. And so these are up on screen in the operating room. And like, I think it was said that like every 20 to 25 minutes, a screensaver comes on, and this is to protect for HIPAA compliance. Uh, I think it's an over-interpretation of that role, but the, uh, what they, they would have to do is they'd have to call a nurse in from outside the operating room to come in and, and dismiss the screensaver, right? So that's a, that's a nice example of how healthcare is going to frustrate the adoption of voice, uh, but it's going to be tremendously important. Because uh, if you think about it, right, so Google has uh, a new interpreter mode for Google Assistant that they're using uh, at Hyatt Hotels. In fact, they, I think they had it at the Caesars um, Casino in Las Vegas last week. So you can go up and you talk to Google Assistant. It's like a real-time translator. I fly tech has these things. You know, we saw it at Pixel Buds and some people saw it. So they're going to use that through. So in the hospital, that's tremendously beneficial. We have people coming in with different languages and those types of things. Um, healthcare will be one of the biggest adopters of voice. I, I no doubt about that. It's going to take a while. We're going to see a couple of years of pilots and proofs of concepts. I understand the purchasing cycle of healthcare, the hurdles, and sort of how they adopt things. I don't think we should expect there to be a wild rush of voice assistance in hospitals in the next uh, 12 to 18 months. It's just going to take much longer for them to adopt. But within five years, it'll be pervasive because once healthcare adopts something, everyone adopts it. It's like really quick to flip the switch. Okay, so thank you so much for voice. When looking at compelling features, think about these features as they relate to healthcare. It's fast and accurate. That's what we expect from the replies. If someone is making, is asking a medical question, the response will need to be the best response and most accurate. Understanding and interpreting the intent of the question will be important in providing the most relevant answers to the question. So what are Mayo Clinic's voice interests? For 150 years, the Mayo Clinic has been a trusted source of health information for patients and consumers. We believe that trusted information leads to better health outcomes, which leads to better, better outcomes for patients and better decisions. So here's the evolution. And you think about what we started to do with informational channels. We believe that it's important that Mayo Clinic be there to provide trusted health information to where our consumers and patients are. We began with print in the 1900s. Mayo Clinic Health Letter was one of our first consumer health print publications and it remains a popular source of health information today. 1990, Mayo Clinic launched one of the first for health information websites, mayoclinic.com, and that morphed into mayoclinic.org. As the web turned mobile and end users flocked to native apps, Mayo evolved to offer information on these digital channels. And now, today, the next disruptive channel is conversational voice powered by artificial intelligence and natural language processing. This is an additive channel, so we can now add this to our toolkit to meet the health needs of our consumers.
So innovation at Mayo Clinic comes along with ensuring that our efforts align with the strategic object objectives of Mayo Clinic, including the organization's digital strategy. Three areas of interest to the Mayo Clinic are to direct to the consumer, build awareness, and drive demand to our services by doing so through health and wellness information and daily news briefings. Interacting between the patient and the provider to improve the efficiencies in the provider workflow by help with the use of discharge instructions, symptom assessments, and transcription services. And even more exciting is leveraging voice signals as an additional component to clinical diagnosis. These voice signal characteristics are known as biomarkers in health conditions. And I'm going to share with you a research study that Mayo conducted in this space. But a little bit more about Mayo Clinic's first aid skill for Alexa. We launched this skill in August of 2017, and we continue to see increasing engagement from users. This was an exciting first step for us at the Mayo Clinic and our content team. We knew we had great content on our web on first aid. We have over 50 topics on the first aid emergencies, how you would respond in terms of self-treatment and when to seek urgent help uh, or urgent care or emergent care. And we decided to explore this area, but we knew we needed to have the expertise. And we brought on our medical specialty editors, our emergency room physicians, and providers who work in the space of, of healthcare to help review this content, to take it from what was written content to voice. I'm going to share an example with you of this video. No, my daughter just touched the stove and I'm not sure what to do for a burn. I'll ask Alexa using the Mayo Clinic first aid skill. Alexa, open Mayo first aid. Welcome back to Mayo First Aid. What can I help you with? How do I treat a burn? Major burns need emergency help. Here is when a burn is considered major. When it is very deep or covers the hands, feet, or a major joint. When it's on the buttocks, genitals, or face. When blisters form over an area larger than three inches or seven to eight centimeters. Or when the burn is due to hot grease and electrical current chemicals, or inhaling smoke. A minor burn isn't an emergency. Minor burns may involve superficial redness, blistering over a small area, or mild pain, similar to a sunburn. For another topic on burns, you can say, treatment for major burns, treatment for minor burns. Treatment for minor burns. To treat a minor burn, Hold the burn area under cool running water for 10 to 15 minutes or until the pain eases. You could also apply a clean towel down with cool tap water. Remove rings or other tie items from the burn area. Try to do this quickly before the area swells. Don't break small blisters. If they do break, gently clean the area with mild soap and water. Apply an antibiotic ointment and cover it with a non-stick gauze bandage. If a rash develops, Stop using the ointment and seek medical care. Blisters that are larger than your little fingernails should be removed. If you develop large blisters, see your doctor. Moisturizer or aloe vera lotion may help soothe the burn. 
If you're in pain, consider an over-the-counter pain reliever. So I wanted you to see how much information you can imagine we're trying to present in voice using very um, detailed healthcare information about the to taking care of a burn and the emergency and when to do self-treatment when you need to give that opportunity to the patient when they need it. And this takes a lot of work to take that content to make it conversational. And you saw how we broke down the notes, the treatment of a major burn and the treatment of a minor burn. This was a learning experience for all of us as well at Mayo Clinic as we created this content for over 50 different first aid skills. So what I just shared with you was a, a difference between what we call first party and third party. And I want to highlight the difference between this. In this first scenario, the first party, Alexa, what are the symptoms of lung cancer? According to Mayo Clinic, lung cancer symptoms include a cough that doesn't go away. Whereas the third party skill is what I just described with the video. Alexa, ask Mayo, first, Mayo Clinic first aid how to treat my baby's fever. And then Alexa would respond. So this is similar to an analogy when an app that comes bundled with your smartphone, the first party, but when, it, when you can choose to download apps to your phone from an app store, that's the third party. And Mayo Clinic is now providing health information in both spaces. With the first party, trusted answers from Mayo Clinic for thousands of questions about health conditions, procedures, and symptoms are now available. Third party, the trusted answers from Mayo Clinic on everyday first aid situations, like what I just described in the video, bee sting, burn, cut, fever, we've got it all available as third party. Wake up call, and many companies understand its significance. In the mobile era, the app store enabled you, if you're a company or a brand, or even a, a singular developer. You owned and retained your brand, your users, your data, and you could differentiate and you could innovate. That is a win-win in that sense. And here is where, where again, Kayvon was really prophetic in, in saying, voice AI platform by corporate giants effectively aimed to hijack your users and your brand. industry landscape, now if we take stock today, there's a high barrier to entry. Enabling platform needs to provide all the technology ingredients. It takes many years to create an engine for just automatic speech recognition all by itself. Very few companies on the planet have significant or material ASR engines. NLU a whole different set of uh, sciences, problems, and expertise goes into improving NLU. Knowledge domains, developer tools, etc. That's what it's going to take for any company to enter into the space and be able to truly uh, innovate. So, in this situation, we think that the better technology ultimately will win. Again, and that's almost my premise. Once you're in a car and you're able to say, navigate me to the nearest coffee shop except for pizza and Starbucks. Okay. All right, cool. Navigate to the second one and you're off and you're going. You, that experience is going to lead you and that's a best way to technology. Speed, accuracy, understanding domains, compound complex, 
So where we fit is, is looking at, hey, is there going to be a need? And absolutely, we absolutely, in this past year, what we learned solidly is that our premise of a need for an independent platform to be live and accessible has been achieved. The partnerships that we've announced, it gives some credibility to that. Um, in part, it's that don't compete, or don't be a threat. Are you gonna come out with a car yourself? We're still not gonna come out with a car ourselves. And it's just this place of, of great positioning where we're not a threat when, in fact, it, it feels like a lot of companies have woken up and said, gosh, the very tools that I'm going to use or leverage, I might be swallowed up by that company there or, or that big giant. Um, we like to allow customers to keep the brand, their data, information, and have tools to rapidly innovate because ultimately those customers, those, those clients know their thing, right? So here are the highlights around product, user, your brand, right? The mantra, keep your own user, maintain your brand, create customized experiences, innovate, differentiate. Significant advantages that create that delightful experience. Like experience was the big, big theme. When I met with um, one research analyst at CES who, who deep dives in auto, his takeaway comment was, last CES, it was about the, uh, the technology, the technologies that were gonna drive forth autonomous vehicles, right, LiDAR and all these technologies. This year, hands down, he saw the complete shift of focus into it's about the experience encapsulated while you sit in these connected cars. So, um, the, the ability to create really delightful experiences um, requires, we believe, the speed of and accuracy of speech to meaning, the ability to follow up and keep moving inside of this contextual or this conversational state, to understand the complexity of what you're speaking naturally, and that, that um, layer of the deep meaning understanding is going to really get you into that future state. Okay, so in this crowd, there are developers who have done amazing development in, um, in categories and across other, in some in multiple categories, Alexa skill sets uh, on Google Home. Um, and I, I wanna commend you because I think you, you are futurists. You, you got into it early and you saw where you could really make a dent. Um, and there, there's so much there, there's so much there. So um, congratulations on, on all that hard work. So I feel like I need a couple slides to speak to the developer because you're sitting there like, whoa, that sounds all jammy and amazing, but like I'm pretty stuck in, I love my skills and I'm like gonna keep working, I've got a big roadmap, so get off the stage, Katie, we, we got you, your stuff's great, but you like, help my life. So for developers, if you wanna play around or put a toe in the water, there's the Houndify platform. You can just register and actually just registering will drop you in and before you know it, you can be testing, you can, if you download the SDK, you can, day probably have your hack demonstrating something. Um, this shows you some of the categories, but the product creator can choose to enable or disable any subset of the public domain that we have live. This is, this is the, the right out of the box waiting for you to leverage. So I just want to make sure I'm clear that there is a lot to be leveraged from our developer tools and data sets. Private domains are exclusive to private the product creator, so you could create something to keep it entirely private. But there are custom commands that can be added at any time after the product has launched and effectively go real time, right? That's the beauty of it being a cloud-connected service and always getting smarter. 
Another thing that we think is very smart in terms of our architecture and how we have future-proofed the growth of collective AI. Voice AI should not be siloed. It really needs to build on top of each other. And you know, at CES we had a great panel with, with, with Nuance and Microsoft and Google and Katie Holmes, which is really in the smart home business now. And, and my colleagues on stage kept saying, well, a really holy grail is when all the data is able to munch together and be collective and like work. And I had to like do that annoying thing that's very salesy, but I had to educate the audience because they are paying good money to sit in and listen to us. That this isn't fictional. It's not like, oh, it's a holy grail that's out there. It's been very mindfully architected and very thoughtfully um, built out. So we're, we're seeking to really realize this dream that a global AI will be able to answer the questions and it grows and compounds on its value. Um, let's roll the, the video. So we all have our own ideas about artificial intelligence or AI. Maybe yours is this or this. AI can be many things, and it will influence people and businesses every day. Our mission is to bring voice-enabled AI to everyone. That's why we built the Houndify platform. Houndify is the only independent AI platform that gives businesses complete control over how they integrate voice and conversational intelligence into their products. We're talking super-fast speech recognition, sophisticated natural language understanding, a large and rapidly growing number of domains and knowledge graphs, and easy-to-use developer tools. Now, there's still time before we see a fully generalized AI that can understand everything, but with Houndify, we've introduced a sophisticated architecture to help us get there fast. We call this architecture Collective AI. It's a powerful architecture for contribution and collaboration among developers, where they can extend the functionality of existing artificial intelligence domains without needing to access or even fully understand them. This results in a collective AI with comprehensive knowledge that is always learning, is crowdsourced to domain experts, and is bigger than the sum of its parts. Picture this. Developer A creates a domain for location, like San Francisco or 3979 Freedom Circle, and marks it shared and extensible. Developer B creates a domain for a ride-sharing product, and since location was marked as shared, he can use location in the new ride-sharing domain to ask, how much does it cost to go from location to location? Developer C creates a new domain for a restaurant rating product. And since location was also marked as extensible, she can extend the location domain because the result of a restaurant search, even with very complex criteria, can be a location. Developer B can then enable the extension with a simple click, instantly enhancing his ride-sharing domain using location. Now users can ask, how much does it cost to go from the nearest airport to the best Italian restaurant in San Francisco that has more than four stars, is good for kids, is not a chain, and is open after 9 p.m. on Wednesdays? And how long is the trip? That's not much work for developer B to make his ride-sharing domain even more powerful and comprehensive. And as developers contribute across the Houndify platform, each existing domain can grow that much stronger. Here's why that's smart. We get a crowdsourced and interconnected architecture that's bigger than the sum of its parts, always learning and growing exponentially into an open collective
interactive AI that can answer any question or perform any task. More importantly, this AI won't be controlled by one or a handful of organizations. Contributors have complete control in marking their work as shared or extensible. And product creators have complete control in which extensions to enable or disable. Giving control to the users of Helmabot means we can bring a collaborative and collective AI to everyone, everywhere. So AI can look more like this, or this. Learn more about our vision for collective AI at Houndify.com. Let me show you a quick intro. 
So our company is X2 Games, and uh, you know I'm gonna let Alexa introduce Nolan. Alexa, can you introduce Nolan? I'm sorry, Nolan Bushnell needs no introduction. <laughs> All right, just do it, Alexa. Please welcome to the stage, the godfather of video games, the founder of Atari and Chuck E. Cheese, and CEO of X2 Games, Nolan Bushnell. Talking and 
story was the key to bridge it all. And so he gave me a, a challenge, although not using visuals, but giving a, a story to Amazon Alexa. It was a great challenge. And you know, a lot of that now, we're gonna dive deep into it and explore how we kind of accomplished our first game that will be coming out in Q1 and how we're basically using voice activation, Alexa, in the future. So let's, let's talk about making it real. So I had the great privilege of developing uh, the visual for Jarvis and Iron Man, and I think it's time to make that real. I, I bet you there's a lot of people in here that have dabbled in AI and, and uh, smart speakers and visuals and know someone. And uh, I think we're crossing that bridge right now where technology is allowing us to explore that. So, what is Alexa and entertainment to us? Do you want to tap into that, Nolan? Well, I think that we really want to bring games collaboratively. Remember, board game is a party. I have five sons and three daughters, and we play games together. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if we had board games? Because they're collaborative, they're friends, they're a party. And the whole idea of creating a new genre is always exciting to me. And so the new genre of games, voice, structure was there. So take it away. So for Alexa Entertainment, we decided to figure out how can we bridge gaming with cinema and how we ended up doing that was you know, Nolan mentioned about you know him playing on board games. I know that he's he's a family guy, and he plays board games every Sunday with his whole family. And it really inspired us to take the leap and make this first game with Amazon Alexa to do that. And something else that you might not know is that Nolan's a fan of you know making a, a smart home. He's into DIY and, and building crazy stuff. Do you want to give me an example of what you built at your house? I can walk into my house and say, turn on Christmas. And it would turn on the Christmas tree. It would turn on a monitor that I had in my fireplace. You know, you want a fire, you want a crack in the fireplace, but you really don't want any more heat in Los Angeles. <laughs> and so, uh, with one simple command, I could turn on all of Christmas, play Christmas carols, and have a great time. You might say that my wife doesn't appreciate some of that because Alexa doesn't like her. She, she thinks that Alexa and I may have something going on. <laughs> so the device itself that we're using, um, you know, there's 20% of the people are using Amazon Alexa for gaming. I think it might be even less than that. I think majority of people are using Alexa for household stuff, to listen to their music, turn on the lights, what's the weather, my schedule, you know, for health, for probably many more stuff, but gaming is, is low on the bar there. And what we think is that 
that aspect of story and entertainment and cinema could actually elevate this exploration with Amazon Alexa. Let's say, why don't you talk about the experience with your daughter? So I think that's very instructive because this is really going young. My, my daughter is four years old and we have three Alexas at the house and we found out when she was three, she was trying to speak with her speech, trying to say Alexa, she couldn't. By, by three and a half, she was talking to Alexa, her vocabulary was getting better, and my wife started seeing a shift in her, that her eagerness to actually explore Alexa through seeing us wanting to play music. For me, I was just playing music and a couple of other things, my wife as well. She's calling out skills that I've never heard of. She's, it's because she's just calling out words as she learns them, and the combination will give her a result. And by the result, she's exploring new things that she never, ever would have ever encountered in, in history. So it's, it's actually, my daughter's four years old, and she basically took charge of Alexa, and no one can ever uh, talk about her right now. So uh, she, she's, she's head of the household. So it's been, it's been a great experience. So I really see the, the positive aspect of Amazon Alexa. So without further ado, some of our stuff. Okay, so just just a quick recap. We are X2 Games, and we basically want to explore innovation mixed with traditional gaming. But uh, we want to give you a little taste of what we're actually doing right at this moment. Sent it to a composer, 
that actually make custom music for the, the game, as well as custom sound effects. Our engineers, day in and day out, figured out solutions how to branch this narrative into Alexa to drive a new era of storytelling and gamify it. And then we had a designer that actually came on board to design the whole game and the characters and the, the feel. And I mean, there, there was so much involved and right now it's all, it's all done and pretty much ready to go and can't wait for you guys to experience it. Um, here are some of our, our casts and some of the people that were involved. What we want to do is actually let you hear a little bit of the, the sound clip that actually the voice that comes out of the smart speaker. Um, I'll play a, play a clip right now. Say no more. I passed through town somewhere in the Rockies. Kind of place people still wave at you. If they see you got an out-of-state license plate. Never would have pegged one of these roofs as a killer. But I suppose that's the point. The greasy spoon. Throwback American diner. Calories alone in this place will kill you. Let's see if something else in here will too. Aluminum bat hidden under a cabinet. I suppose softball season is right around the corner. I saw Professor Foyle over there. Anything seem out of the ordinary? Most things in this town are out of the ordinary, Detective. Eunice found a second body dumped in the town square. Killer's playing with me, getting bolder.
between media and games is just happening. And you can look at games like Pong as being clear to the left. It's on a dial, it's a continuum. The movie's clear to the right. There's a whole page in between of part game, part narrative, part movie, part game. And we think that there is a very vacant area that we can fill with some of the weirdest stuff you've ever seen. And that's what our goal is. How about the idea of branching narrative with the TV shows? Absolutely. But more than that, did you ever stop to think of Echo, Alexa, breaking the fourth wall and becoming a participant in a, in, a, in a TV show and have Alexa become a character in that show, responding and talking to the people in the show, in the movie. We think that uh, all these things are going to be so cool because we've got some things written on that. Yeah, and we, we believe that we can bring now for for the sake of voice and now images together and tie that together to bring a new type of to your household to to uh, bring basically cinema but you control it because what I've worked on in the past is movies that were linear a director told you a story what about if you could choose the story and you control the story and you control how it ends and how it becomes that's what we want in games now, that's what games are. You you choose, you're able to choose the world. And we want to basically create that in this example that we're going to show you. Imagine being part of a story where anything could happen. Imagine watching a TV show where you're the storyteller where you, the viewer, have the power to change the plot unfolding in front of you while it's happening. An interactive cinematic experience where you get to make decisions for the main characters. Decisions that will cause the story to branch off in completely different directions. Where your experience is unique to the choices you make. Choices that will ripple throughout the story and have consequences in ways you cannot always foresee. Imagine a premium TV show you'd want to binge and then rewatch immediately because it won't be the same the second time around. Because this time, if you choose wisely, your choices might get you the ending you want. How can we use Alexa to do interactive storytelling? One of the biggest challenges of interactive cinema is how the interaction happens. So far, most interactive narrative content has been conceived through the imagination of gaming through mouse clicks and controller buttons. But adding a physical device or interface to the choice process is cumbersome and awkward as you don't watch your favorite TV shows or movies with a controller in your hand. That's where Alexa comes in. Imagine if you could control the direction of the story you're watching through simple voice commands. A prompt shows up, seamlessly integrated into the visuals detailing two possible choices, and you simply say, Alexa, don't trust him, or Alexa, explore the second floor. 
conundrum. Now imagine a murder mystery. A twisty whodunit set in a contained location where your choices not only impact the story's direction, but will reveal new clues and crucial information to you that will directly affect your ability to solve the mystery at the end and unmask the killer. Conundrum is a new kind of story that exists somewhere in between a game and a high-end TV show. It's a show that will play out like a conventional cinematic series, except at key junctions you get to make a choice, a choice that might change everything. The consequences of those choices will sometimes be subtle and sometimes huge. It might in some cases simply reveal a piece of information to your character that they wouldn't otherwise have gleaned or it might reveal a physical clue as to who the killer is. But in more extreme cases, it can lead to another character dying or not. And so going forward, that character will no longer be on the show, in your version of the story at least. Your friends may have made a different choice and the character is still alive, and maybe that character becomes instrumental later on. In the last episode of the season, the story will conclude, and you will be asked to make one final choice. Decide, based on the remaining characters in the story, who the killer is. If you've made sound logical choices throughout the season, you might have amassed enough clues and information to make a solid accusation. But if you haven't, this final choice may be a shot in the dark, and the story probably won't have a happy end. Six games, six board games. When I say board games, a couple of them just use card decks. I'm going to do two entertainment ones for kids. We're going to have an educational one for kids. And we're going to have a party game for a lot of adult drunks. And, um, and, and a couple of just good fun all around family games, young adult games. We hopefully are going to be able to begin in, in earnest a conundrum game which is more as much of movie theaters as or movie game as anything. And that's kind of our near-term future. But we're going to constantly push back the frontier as we see it, look for new things, weird things try to make the future happen. And Alexa, turn my shoe screen. <laughs> so with all that, we, we have a lot of things lined up for us. So uh, please watch out for us and uh, look out for the, the new games that will be coming out. But not only that, you know, come visit us on our website, see what we're doing. Um, Nolan, has so much to share about um, you know, his vision, super humble man, and uh, I'm honored to be working with this gentleman beside me. We have so many things for you know, kid development, everything that no one has mentioned, but I'm, I'm so eager to get this product out to show the world what we created and um, you know, the opportunity to work on such a beautiful device as uh, Amazon Alexa. Um, so, 
What does the future hold? Alexa. Current scientific consensus estimates that in about 7.5 billion years the sun will explode, eradicating all life in the solar system. But, uh, what does the future hold for interactive entertainment? Oh, it's gonna be everywhere. Well, I've heard it. It'll be everywhere. We believe in that because we've seen how the evolution of games has happened. The guy beside me started it, and uh, we knew how cinema started just on a locked camera, and they didn't even move that camera. And look where it's gone now. We have VR, AR, beyond. And uh, I look forward to emerging all these technologies into voice activation.